What are some of the challenges board face in the current economic and geopolitical context? What is the renewed role of the chairman on boards and how he or she should develop a new style of leadership? And what are some of the hot topics being discussed right now on boards? Well, these are some of the questions that we'll explore today in this new episode of the VAB podcast that features our guest, Andrew Kakabatsi. Andrew is a professor of governance and leadership at Hanley Business School at the University of Reading and emeritus professor at Cranfield University School of Management. He has also published 32 books, over 200 journal articles, and 18 monographs. Andrew has held positions on the boards of a number of companies and has also been an advisor to a Channel 4 business series. I cannot go through his whole resume as it would take up the whole episode, as Andrew's background is impressive. He's connected here with us directly from the UK. So, Andrew, welcome to the VAB podcast. Thank you. But before getting to our chat, Andrew, let me remind our audience about the purpose of this podcast. Across the episodes, we will always leverage on our guests' knowledge to learn with them about how you can become a better advisor and how you can accelerate your career and your business. Here's your host, Andrea Iorio speaking. I'm an Italian keynote speaker to more than 100 companies per year focusing on digital transformation, leadership and innovation, and a best-selling author of two books in Portuguese. I'm now based out of New York, but I worked over the last 10 years in Brazil as the head of Tinder and as chief digital officer at L'Oreal, and where I today teach at the executive MBA of Fundação Dom Cabral. So, Andrew, I wanted to kick off this discussion that I believe any VAB member is looking forward to with a bit more about you and your background. For the few VAB members that do not know you yet and your work, would you tell us more about your background and how would you describe your main areas of research and expertise? First of all, Andre, it's a great pleasure to be here. It's a great honor to be here. Thank you. I started my career in environment. In fact, that was my first degree. Um, I didn't go too far into that. And then, funnily enough, went into community development. Went back to medical school and became qualified as a psychiatric social worker as a child guidance officer and a number of different uh, types of community work. I worked in London, I worked in Liverpool, I worked in Manchester, but all the time I was dealing with that part of the community that was facing tremendous problems. I have to say, Andre, I became frustrated. And I didn't become frustrated with the work. I became frustrated with the way the departments and organizations that delivered on community services were structured. So I went back to university, I uh, went back to London and took a degree in public administration and then was taken to Scotland to help with the re redesign of community services in Scotland. Um, I became a part-time academic and took my doctorate whilst I was a part-time academic and then was a consultant for a while of the fish canning factory in Venezuela and then I worked with governments on the intelligence services side for a while and then became an academic. So quite a varied sort of background. But quite hectic. Quite hectic, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it had one significance. It gave me an insight into the reality of how leadership is delivered. Yes. Also, we look at leadership before it's delivered, but I was looking at the impact of leadership and structures and organizations. 
and that influenced my research. And so I researched boards. Uh, why do we have governance? I researched leadership at top levels. Um, I have probably one of the largest databases in the world on leadership on boards. It now stretches, I think, 52 countries on the leadership side and 14 countries on the board side, but wow. well over 25,000 participants. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, so it's quite big. And what was I doing? I was trying to find out trends, really. Did country make a difference? Did religion make a difference? And to be honest with you, country background, country culture, religion makes no difference. It's the company, it's the organization, it's the department, if it's a government entity. Um, you'd be surprised, gender did not make that much difference. Interesting. But age did. And funnily enough, those more uh, elderly and experienced, and I have to say who had a mindset of learning, they were the board directors to really uh, pay attention to. So that's my background. Super interesting, Andrew, and I think it's a great uh, introduction to what we're going to talk about, which is, again, the role of the board, the role of leadership on boards. And I think uh, you've got all this experience on that, uh, which makes it very uh, interesting uh, for our discussion. And that's why I wanted to follow up a little bit about your perspective, about the role of the board. And the thing is that the role of the board might change over time, depending on the external context. And now, today, we live a context that is a post-pandemic context with a very, very turbulent uh, geopolitical and, and economical times. And so, when we look at the current uh, external environment, what are some of the biggest challenges that boards face uh, when it comes to actually getting ready for such an environment and responding to it? I think if we go back to the very first question you asked, which is, What's the role of the board? And I would like to add, what's the role and contribution of the board? That still is an open question. The role of the board is to deliver governance, which may seem a very obvious statement to make. But in delivering governance, the role of the board is not to execute something. It is to provide oversight. Yes. So the management is there for the delivery and execution of strategy. The board is there to oversee these assets underneath their care. These assets, by the way, could be a charity. It doesn't have to be a business. Um, and what they're trying to do is oversee them so that they can deliver value. So the prime role of a chair and a board director is, is has greater value been generated with me being on the board than has been the case up to date? Now, this history of boards is actually three and a half thousand years old. It's one of the oldest institutions that we know in, uh, in humankind. Uh, Mesopotamia, the uh, ruler of the day, created the first governance principles around responsibilities, the responsibilities of the monarch, the responsibilities of the citizen, do you need to pay tax? So we had a compliance approach to the governance then. I know they didn't call it a board, but it was an oversight body that was created to see whether the ruler and the citizens were adhering to the very governance that was created. We then went to the Chinese who had a different approach. It was about conduct and respect, less to do with compliance and more about behavior. And if you notice the Chinese today, much the same. That hasn't changed for two and a half thousand years. Then the Greeks, the Athenians with transparency and then ourselves. And our history of boards goes back to 1152. It was the um, Catholic Pope, Pope Pius IV, 
that created an oversight body in villages, townships, guilds, whatever entities we had for wealth creation, to see whether the wealth creation process could be improved. But what was interesting was that the Pope then gave a second responsibility to these oversight bodies, which was the redistribution of that wealth. So the very first boards that we know in our modern day were stakeholder boards. You weren't just there to look at shareholders, you were then there to look at how all stakeholders benefited from these activities. The activities continued, the management did their job, but the board was there to oversee it. And it was the English that then created the shareholder board about 200, 250 years later. So still we have one question for boards today. Am I producing value? And in fact, the biggest problem with that is, do I know what value means here? And you'll find on boards, there is not necessarily a shared view on value. So board debates can be sensitive and board debates can be intensive. But from the perspective of being a board director, you really do need to have a mind which looks at the totality of these assets. You can see things big. And then you can go into detail and see what's working out. Then you can see things big again, because that's the only way you're going to determine, am I producing value on this board, which is a value to the enterprise? That's really interesting because then it looks, you know, that one of the biggest variables there uh, upon which there is not a big consensus yet, or it really depends on the region or it depends on the context is, uh, am I creating value and what does this value mean to me? And when we look at the current environment, do you think there is more of a consensus when we look at value? Is there more a consensus about that value is made of uh, good leaders and, and, you know, like, for example, uh, talent is uh, uh, value according to companies or, uh, I don't know, like innovation means value or still we live in a world where there is not much consensus around that? There's probably, Andrea, more debate now on value than there has been. And the reason is just the very points that you made. Um, Technology, that's created an interesting challenge. Talent and its scarcity, that's created another interesting challenge. Um, When we did a survey of, in the UK, of the FTSE 100, 200 and 300 companies, by and large, the management were quite satisfied with their boards but they still underrated their board's contribution and performance by 40%. That was the average. Okay. In fact, what we found was there was not one management in all those companies who were fully satisfied with their board. And we wanted to know why. And the answer was the board is out of touch. The board sits in a room and acts like a committee. The board doesn't go and find out the data that we give to them Is that the data in the field? Is that the data in the markets? Is the sort of perceptions of sales and satisfaction with service, is that the reality out there? The board just sits. And when we went to other countries like South Africa, US, um, Russia, even Ukraine, where we have problems, Russia and Ukraine today, the situation was worse. And even in the US, it was worse. Fundamentally, what the management was saying is you think you're providing value. Actually, you're not. What you're providing is compliance. You're forcing us to comply with this ruling, that protocol, that procedure. But do you know that doesn't produce value? 
So the value debate now, because of our complexities, is even greater, which means the pressure on board directors is now more than ever. That's really interesting because um, it makes me even think it there might be a problem of professionalization of boards and uh, uh, basically the board uh, members being ready to actually uh, create value and not just uh, enforce compliance, understanding that sometimes value creation comes from uh, breaking from the rules of the past and basically innovating and transforming the business. Do you think that professionalization of board members is an issue and what we can do to better prepare boards for this current moment in business where we need different ways to create value and to support management. Professionalization is an outstanding issue and now it's more important than ever. What we have done so far is we've by and large created governance, role, regulation, compliance type programs Many of them go to certificate, postgraduate certificate and diploma, and they could be 12 or 18 months. But what they're doing is they're basically saying, you board director, this is your role. What we're finding in practice is that doesn't work because the role of a board director, cognizant of the compliance requirements in one company is completely different in another company, which may have exactly the same compliance requirements. And the reason is, competitive advantage yes what is the advantage of this firm what is the legacy of that firm what sort of quality of management have we got what issues are we not talking about what issues do we have the courage to talk about so the big issue for performance and professionalization is stewardship and if you look even three and a half thousand years ago Hammurabi Mesopotamia even from them the two levers of oversight for the oversight bodies to exercise was regulation, compliance. But the other was, I would like to have your opinion. What do you think is happening in our communities, our markets? Do you think we need to improve? Can you gather the evidence? Can you convince me? And all that is a stewardship requirement. And our stewardship, unfortunately, is diminishing because it's overwhelmed by compliance demands. So um, what we have done on my team and I at um, Henley Business School is we actually have now created a degree which professionalizes or tries to professionalize the role and contribution of the board director by saying, what is your practice? What is your stewardship? Why are you allowing things to happen when you know they shouldn't, but compliance wise, you're okay? Yes. And this is a program that, again, helps in the professionalization and uh, getting board ready, because oftentimes uh, we see people are not still very mature in uh, uh, providing that. And therefore, we have this uh, clash between management and boards. And I think that's that's really important uh, uh, education for boards. Oftentimes, when we look at uh, uh, executive education, we uh, believe that it's not as uh, important in later stages of life. I think it's even more important, especially in a rapidly changing world. And we'll discuss further also what uh, uh, you guys are doing at Hanley together with VAB. Super interesting for our audience. And uh, before getting to that, um, you talk a lot with board members. You hear a lot about the discussions that are going on on boards. And I wanted to pick your brains on what do you feel are the hot topics or big issues today being discussed in boards now? Uh, maybe some of our leaders uh, and listeners, uh, you know, by listening to that, feel that maybe they're a little bit out of touch with the big 
uh, topics. And so uh, are we talking about talent, geopolitics, technology? W what is really top of mind now within boards? What is top of mind, funnily enough, is not discussed. And that is what should be discussed. And I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not Interesting. Playing here. But if we go back to Lehman Brothers, if you go back to the collapse of Bearings Bank or Enron or the collapse of Halifax Bank of Scotland, but there's been a number of collapses. Do you know that if we go to Marconi and Enron, six months before those two organizations collapsed, the press and media were saying, what a great organization. True. Up compliant, what fantastic governments. Yeah. And everybody inside knew that, that was not true. But nobody was talking. So from the 1970s, 80s to this day, the biggest issue is what is sensitive, what, what don't we discuss, and is it going to bankrupt the company? Yeah. And funnily enough, that professionalization of the uncomfortable conversation has not moved one step forward. So the first thing to say to board directors is why? Because most board directors that I've come across are bright, they're well-qualified, they're well-experienced, they're great people, they've got the right values, they've got the right ethics. They're, in fact, the very people that you would need to sit on a board and provide oversight for the benefit of the community. But then something deeply sensitive hits them. Now, if we can start to understand that, which means that we're not looking into a topic, we're looking into the reality of board dynamics. And if we can start to unravel how a board gets itself into the uncomfortable situation of knowing what to discuss, how to discuss it, and what to do, but they don't, we can move them forward. Once we've done that, what are the big issues for boards today? There's no doubt it's technology's one. Yes. Um, it's a massive one because it's not just the technologies of um, artificial intelligence and cybercrime. It's the technologies around cryptocurrency and the creation of new organizations known as DAOs, decentralized yeah. autonomous organizations. Now, this DAO through cryptocurrency, a very good way of crowdfunding the money is through tokens. You buy tokens, you create a market, you have a community of people around you, and that community begins to trade. Fantastic. But it's not transparent. So the biggest DAOs today, which few people talk about, are actually criminal. Yeah. It's the greatest source of money laundering, arms deals, negotiations. To, to, to hate, I hate the word, but it's true. Sex slavery. Yeah. It's actually the transportation and sale of women on a mass scale. And nobody can actually access that. So with DAOs, we have a, a basic need for compliance. That's true. And from there on in, the actual governance of how we deal with a DAO, we, whereby you know, an electronic gadget may create a, uh, a precedence, and then an algorithm oversees that precedence. So if you're sitting on a board or in some sort of grouping, you don't actually know what the algorithms are doing to each other. That's a massive one. So it, it's technology number one, and I would have said talent number two. 
Super. Talent is definitely top of mind, especially uh, we read a lot about the great resignation. I think in the UK is happening, uh, in the US definitely it is. A lot of people are abandoning their jobs if they're not 100% satisfied and we see newer generations doing that more and more. So I think retaining talent and of course attracting it is uh, really top of mind for the survival of these organizations. And, and when we look at boards, especially uh, I think there is the role of the chairman that it has been uh, kind of like under pressure in a sense of also uh, transforming itself. Um, what do you think that is the new role of the chairman or maybe, you know, the old role but applied to the new times? And uh, what are some of the leadership insights related to good chairmen nowadays? Uh, you've written uh, many books, but two of them are particularly interesting uh, about leadership, the success formula and leadership intelligence. There are five cues. What are the theses behind these books and what do they teach us about the role of the chairman uh, today? The chair was the very first role in the enterprises of, that we know today. And that probably goes back, I know history can be hazy, that probably goes back to 1750 when uh, in order to comply and explain under English law, you had to sign uh, a contract, which may have been a trading contract, uh, in the premises of the principal shareholder. And the person who controlled that contract was the one who sat in the chair. And that's how you got the term, the chairman. And often because these premises where people had lots of money, but they had very little space, so they weren't rich landed owners that owned land, they were actually traders, making pots, pans, or whatever, they may not even have had a table, so a board of wood was taken off its hinges, which is often the door, and put on two supports, and on this board, the contract was signed. So in this very crude circumstance, the very first role that guided the contract was the chair. And that was the case until 1970, where we had Lee Iacocca, Chrysler, pay me a dollar, I'll turn this organization around, and all of a sudden, almost overnight, we had a switch from the role of the chair to the role of the CEO. And that probably lasted 32, 33 years. The dot-com crashes of the early 2000s, and then the other scandals, the financial scandals, and so on. So where we are is what you said. We're back to the role of the chair. The CEO is becoming almost the chief operating officer. Too much detail, too many targets to hit, probably unable to look at the bigger picture. Um, but the chair, the chair now has to deal with the intangibles. Is the product or service that you offer the real reason for share price? No, it's reputation. It's risk. Yeah. It's bigger overview. It's trying to see when there is a reputational challenge when in fact you're doing the right thing. So you were operating in Russia. You want to move out of Russia. Did you move out too quickly, too slow? Did you make the right reputational decision to stay in Russia? That's the chair. That's not the CEO. So the chair is becoming vital. And in many ways, I would like to describe the chair as the big brain. This is the real clever insight into all of the things that are happening around us. And this is the brain that says, guys, this is the direction we should take. Very interesting. And we see that, you know, based on the current challenges for CEOs, that I feel like it's the same CEO should look at the bigger picture, but it's getting very deep into operations. Uh, the role of the chairman 
uh, is actually more and more strategic, maybe to help out also on the bigger picture. And so we need a, a, a definitely a new type of, uh, of chairman uh, nowadays. And now, Andrew, that we're already, time flies, and especially when it's a good conversation as this, um, we're approaching more the end of uh, our episode. But I wanted to also get back to the uh, Henley programs that you know can help our listeners to develop their careers as uh, board directors or non-executive directors and advisors. And uh, in particular, there is a, a VAB uh, joint uh, program with Henley um, focused on uh, you know accelerating careers for um for board members uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that and uh, how it would benefit uh, our listeners certainly it's a degree program it's a master of arts it's ma master of arts board practice and directorship so it's all about practice um we've tried it in romania and it's worked very well and i think one of the reasons is the romanians wanted practice to become professionalized so they could deal with some of their concerns and corruption issues and poor institutional issues. We've had a great conversation with VAB and one or two other agencies have also linked and that is the CEO club of Greece and Finland and Denmark and possibly Germany. But what they're buying into is a program which is in three stages, a certificate, a diploma and then a project which is the master's project which presumably you will do on your own board, your own organization. But the components of the certificate and the diploma are all about stewardship. We've talked about board dynamics and how dangerous it can be and how beneficial it can be. Reputation. How do you deal with the investor community? It's a major concern. How do you deal with board information? All the information has been thrown at you. How do you handle that? Um, how does the board NED chairperson act as a coach? Many non-executive directors, and in fact, coaches, they have no executive authority. So if we, we broke down stewardship into six components, but to give people who are busy a chance to opt out of the program, we put three into certificate, three into diploma, and then the, the project part, the master's, is the final part. Uh, so far, the response has been good. And in fact, another network has asked us, could we just specifically look at US and UK? So we seem to have now um, a global master's degree on board practice and what it means to professionalize and go through the problems that Enron faced, Bearings Bank faced, the other organizations faced, so that no board director has to face them again. So basically to prepare them for, uh, you know, uh, future success also, but not repeating uh, previous mistakes. At least when we know them, <laughs> we can try to avoid exactly. them. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Great, yes, Andrew. Um, I really wanted to thank you for your conversation. I think uh, uh, this episode was of uh, uh, utmost value for our listeners. And so I wanted to thank you again for participating to the show, but also for being such an engaged VAB member. I think this uh, comes not only from me, but from uh, David, Mark, and everyone else at VAB. Thanks again for being on the show, and thanks for what uh, you've been doing for VAB. It's my greatest pleasure, and I have to say, you, you guys are a wonderful group of colleagues. It's a pleasure to work with you. It's such a pleasure to be together on this. Um, and now that we've reached the end, dear listeners, 
I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and be sure to expect more and more high quality content over the next ones with more guests coming to share their knowledge and ideas. So stay tuned. And if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to share it with your colleagues, friends, family, whomever you think will benefit from this great episode. That's it from now, from the VAB podcast, and see you in the next episode.